Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Daybreak today. Good morning. A few good mornings. Wow. You don't often expect that. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> Very receptive this morning. Welcome. Uh, I should probably ask, do, do we have any, uh, are there any Patriots fans actually in the room this morning? Okay. Are there any bandwagon Tebow fans in the room this morning? Yeah, it's okay to admit it. You're, you jumped on, a few of you. All right. Well, I just, uh, if you're suffering this morning from last night and you're struggling with, how can I come to church and spend time with a God who would allow the Broncos to lose the way they did last night? I just want to take that off the table this morning and allow you to openly meet with God. It's, here, here's what, we'll just do a little mini sermon here at the beginning. Your Christianity is shown maybe even more clearly through loss and adversity than it is through winning and victory all the time, all right? So, so yes, there's, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of uh, that that's going to be seen in the Broncos and their fans today. But I uh, want to welcome you to church today. We're really excited uh, just about what God is, uh, wants to say to our church family in these next couple weeks. I can't even tell you uh, how good this week was for me in preparing for this message. And, and I know that God has something really, really uh, fantastic and, and new for each of us today uh, because the principles that we're going to be looking at from his word are, are really, um, they just kind of cross all of the different uh, circumstances of our lives. And so it's, it's for everyone that's here today. And the series that we're going to look at is entitled Vital Signs, Three Characteristics of Life-Giving Connections for Us. And for those of you who have been attending Daybreak for a while, maybe you're familiar with our vision statement. It's, uh, we talk about it all the time. It's up in the hallway. I'm going to read it for you. It's in your outline if you want to open it up there. It says, helping people discover a life-changing journey with Jesus, celebrating God's grace, connecting with God's family, and contributing to God's work. Uh, let's read that again together, okay? Helping people, dis- together is when we all do it. Ready? <laughs> Helping people discover a life-changing journey with Jesus, celebrating God's grace, connecting with God's family, and contributing to God's work. That was awesome. Well done. Uh, this, our vision statement is actually the basis of our journey class, which is also our membership class. Journey is where we learn together with other believers how to live out a 3C lifestyle, how to celebrate God's grace, how to connect with God's family and contribute to his work throughout your life. Because we believe, it's just one way to say it, but we believe that this is Jesus' path for us and how we live out and walk out uh, the transformational work that he's doing in us, uh, discovering a life-changing journey. It's not just about change at one point in your life, it's about continu- continually being transformed uh, into the the image of Christ. And that's what, what Journey is all about. And to this morning, we're going to welcome uh, across both campuses almost 30 new participating members into Daybreak. And we put together a little video for you that just tells their stories, some of their stories of what Journey class meant to them. Uh, this fall was our inaugural run of the new format of Journey class. We used to do uh, three or four different classes, uh, but we found people would go to the first one and then kind of drop off the map. So we put them all together in one class and uh, It just was a great, great fall, um, helping people find out what is my next step in my relationship with Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, For those of you who are going to be welcomed into membership during this service, if you could come up while the video plays, just come up to the center stage. We'd appreciate that. Thank you. Let's watch together. journey class is coming up again in just a few weeks. It's designed to be a class that helps you move from being an attender at Daybreak to being a participating member. But there's many other things that the journey class can help you out with. 
Let's listen to these testimonies of some other people that have recently graduated from the Journey class, telling you what the Journey class has done for them. The Journey class helped me uh, definitely develop a, um, a stronger journey with God every morning. I set my alarm and I wake up and, and read the Bible and I had uh, never really read the Word at all. I had, you know, went to different schools and whatnot, but I never actually read it. Um, so just having that every, having it on Sunday, having everything, you know, come back and then on Wednesday, it just helped me get, you know, deeper and deeper uh, with my journey. That's still very, you know, still in the beginning phases, but uh, it's coming along. And like I said, every Sunday I get to work with little kids downstairs in the first grade. And it's just, it's just really nice. It's just like a good reaffirming uh, just with my journey. The journey class helped me um, reinforce some of the habits that I want to continue. Um, for instance, you know, reading my Bible, learning things that I already kind of knew, but discovering things that I didn't know about myself. Um, it also, for the biggest thing for me is um, the fellowship, getting to know some of the speakers and leaders. Uh, the journey class helped me to, on, on a number of levels, helped me to learn more about the church. Um, I just saw the the amazing passion that all of the church leaders have. I uh, got a chance to learn about the different ministries, uh, which helped me to kind of sort out where I might want to land and, and maybe where I could contribute in some ways. But most of all, uh, the Journey class um, it gave me the courage to tell my story. The Journey class helped me in my journey beside God, um, helped me to determine what my gifts were, um, it helped me to kind of see where my strengths lie that God has given to me and where He wants me to use them in my church family. The Journey class helped me um, really finish forming my relationship with uh, the Daybreak family. I already felt like part of the family from the very first time I walked through the doors here. I knew right away. Um, very quickly decided to recommit myself last Easter to Christ. Um, recommit because I don't think I really fully committed since I was a child and I was able finally as an adult to fully commit and turn it over to Him. And uh, the journey class was my way of saying, yes, I really want to be a full member in Christ's family and in this family. and. Um, it, it, it helped me in that way. Um, it also helped me connect with some of the folks that I already knew and I got to know them a little bit better as well. So I feel more connected to the people in the family here at Daybreak. So why not take some time and register for the Journey class, participate in it for nine weeks, and see if God's calling you to be part of this church family at Daybreak Church. We welcome you to come out and discover a life-changing journey with Jesus Christ, celebrate His grace, connect with his family, and contribute to his work. On the back of your outline today, if you turn it over, there's a list of everyone that we're welcoming into membership today. But I wanted to let those who are in this service at this campus introduce themselves to you. And I think this is the big, the big crew. Uh, so uh, let's start down this end. You can just uh, introduce yourself. And by the way, people love to do this. So that's why we do it. Uh, Jen and Dan Woodford. Michelle and Rob Swanger. Brandy and Mike Hillman. Jill Zwadi. 
Hi, I'm Patricia Norman. Mary and Michael Cody. And Louise and Rick Huff. Last but not least, Rachel Paul. <laughs> yes, definitely last but not least. Well, let's, uh, let's say welcome to these guys this morning as they uh, officially come into membership. And, you know, we really believe that membership at Daybreak is, uh, it's why we call it participating membership. Uh, it's not just a ceremony thing that we go through. We believe that when people come into membership, um, we make a commitment to them as the church family, that they're a new part of our family, and that we are going to do what the message is talking about today. We're going to invest in them. We're going we're to see uh, that they have clear tracks to run on. We're going to take care of them when they go through rough times. They're a part of this spiritual family, um, but also they're making a commitment to you, and that uh, they're making a commitment that they're going to use their gifts, they're going to serve, um, they're going to uh, love Christ and love you as uh, part of your, your spiritual family. So would you join me in prayer as we welcome them into membership today? Let's pray for them. Thank you, God, for the journey that you brought this, uh, this group of, of uh, people on. And Lord, I thank you that it was your love and your grace and your mercy that drew them to you and that they've made a decision uh, to follow you and to put their trust in you. And uh, Lord, I also thank you that they pursued you and that they're a model to each of us uh, about what it means to follow after Christ and to put him first in your life. And Lord, I pray you'd give them strength as uh, they work through this new commitment to our church family. I pray you'd give them discernment as to how you're calling them to celebrate your grace and connect with your family and contribute to your work through uh, Daybreak Church. And I pray for the rest of us that we would... uh, as we come in contact with them, that we would be a blessing and encouragement to them when we spur each other on uh, towards, as your word says, towards love and good deeds as we follow you together. Bless them today, Lord, um, and I pray you would uh, bless them as they participate um, to actively serve and love you through Daybreak Church. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everyone said, amen, amen. Let's give these guys a hand again. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Well, I want to invite you to take your outline out if you haven't done that already, and we're going to jump right into today's message. The goal of our vision statement that I read just a few minutes ago has always been about the same thing, and it's always been about changed lives. That's what our church has been about since the very beginning. And like I said, your life isn't changed just once by Christ. There's definitely a time when we have a, a, an opportunity to, to surrender our lives to God, and in that moment, uh, we invite him to forgive us and to lead us, and we give God permission. Uh, we surrender, and we give God permission to do what we then do for the rest of our lives while we're here, and that's give God permission to continue to lead us, and we continue to surrender new things to God every day. So it's always been about, uh, always been about changed lives at daybreak. And when it comes to us growing and changing in our relationship with Christ, I don't think there is any richer blessing or any richer gift from God than the gift of spiritual family and the gift of relationship with other believers because it's life-giving to your faith. Without it, uh, God never intended for us to walk alone. And you know, there are a whole lot of things that we can do on our own in life. And sometimes I think we get pretty good at doing too many things by ourselves. We think, well, I'm self-sufficient enough. I'll just cover this. I'll take care of it. And we miss the blessing of being in relationship. And especially on our journey with Jesus, if we want to get the most out of it, if we really want to experience a relationship with God the way he intended us to experience it, uh, we need to be in relationship with other people. We can't do it alone. And I want you to watch this video with me uh, about something that was never intended for us to do alone. Let's watch. There are some things in life you can't do alone, like have a party. 
asshole. Have a sack race. Step aside, fools. I got this. Okay, I have it. Yeah, yeah. Play Marco Polo. Marco. Fish out of water. Ride a teeter-totter. Ah. <laughs> oh. Get engaged. Will you marry me? Move a heavy, awkward piece of furniture. Finger. Too slow, too slow, too slow. Or water ski. Something should not be attempted without the help of others. Your spiritual journey is one of them. When it comes to that, we're definitely better together. Many of us would have had a better record in wrestling if we wrestled ourselves. I would have as a wrestler. That's for sure. All right. So if connecting with other believers is so important to us. What does it look like really? I mean, it's one thing for us to talk about connecting with God's family, even as a part of our vision statement at Daybreak. But what does it really look like? Because sometimes I think we have pictures in our mind of what some things mean or what traditionally maybe they've meant to us. And maybe traditionally the experiences that we've had aren't really something that we get very excited about. And so maybe God wants to give you a new picture today of what it really means to connect with his family. And even over the next couple weeks, maybe God wants to stir something new in you about the importance of you having life-giving relationships with other Christ followers through your church family. So the first vital sign that can be found is in the middle of the quote on the, on the left side of your outline there. It's right underneath the vision statement. I'm going to read it for you. It says this, your progress on the life-changing journey with Jesus hinges on how intentional you are in your relationships with other believers. Now, I want you to circle the word intentional. Will you do that? That's uh, the big idea of our message today. I'm going to read it again. Your progress on the life-changing journey with Jesus hinges on how intentional you are in your relationships with other believers. Intentionality is our big idea, and the first vital sign of life-giving connection with God's family uh, is that. So if you want to follow along in your outline today, here comes your first blank, all right? Being intentional in your relationships means entering into, number one, selective relationships, entering into selective relationships. Now, when I say selective, I'm not talking about being clicky or I'm not talking about us being standoffish. That's not what I'm referring to at all. I've heard it said before, actually, my youth pastor said it to me uh, often when I was a kid. He said, be friendly to everyone, but be friends with a few. Be friendly to everyone, but choose wisely the people that you're going to walk with and spend the majority of your time in life with. Choose wisely those people. Be friendly to everyone, but be friends with a few. And what I mean by being selective is to be discerning, to show discernment as to who you select to travel through life together with. And discernment is needed because without it, our relationships are going to lead us down a road that can lead us, take us far away from following God. And our relationships can take us far away from a life-giving relationship with Jesus if we're not discerning. Uh, now take a look at Psalm 1, verse 1. It says this. Psalm 1, 1 is one of the greatest passages um, 
on the principle of influence in your life and, and determining whether or not you're an influencer or whether or not you're being influenced uh, by the people around you. Listen, the Bible says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. I want you to circle three words in Psalm 1-1. Would you circle the words walk, stand, and sit? Circle those three words, walk, stand, and sit. This verse indicates a progression that can happen to us if we're not discerning about who we spend our time with. So in this verse, we see a person moving from walking to standing to sitting with the wicked, the sinners, and the mockers. Now, sometimes when you hear words in the Bible like wicked, sinner, and mocker, in this case, when you hear it, um, maybe you're starting to think, the Bible must be talking about really, really evil people here, like really bad people, the worst of the worst, wicked, evil, mockers, you know, and you might be thinking, I don't think this really applies to me because I certainly don't hang out with anybody who's wicked, evil, or, or would be mocking. That's not my crowd. But the truth is, the Bible says that every one of us, you and me, every one of us apart from God is wicked. Every one of us separated from the grace and the goodness of God, separated from a relationship with him, every one of us is innately evil in our core. That's what the Bible says about us. Uh, there's, there's no righteousness in us apart from God. So when this passage is actually talking about the wicked and the sinners, it's really just talking about people who are not committed to following God. They haven't put their faith or their trust in Christ to forgive their sins and lead their life. And that's what this passage is talking about. They're leading their own lives and going whatever direction they, they please and doing whatever they feel like doing because God's not their leader. They've not made that decision to follow him. And later on in Psalm 1, it tells us that people who live like this have no solid foundation for their life. As a matter of fact, that they're, they're going to have to stand before God, as we all will someday, and account for the decision that they've made uh, to lead their own life and do whatever they've chosen instead of to surrender to God. So I want you to look at this progression with me in Scripture. The Bible says that we're blessed. Catch this. We're blessed if we don't fall into this progression. If we fall into this progression, we're going to miss out on God's blessing in our lives. So here's the first thing that it warns us about falling into. Number one, the first step, we're blessed if we don't walk in step with the wicked. And this is kind of where it begins, walking in step with the wicked. That means we're, um, our lives are being influenced by those who are walking away from God. And we're in step with them. So they're not following God and we start to walk in step with uh, the direction that they're heading. So we're, we end up walking away from God too. So that's the first warning sign or the first danger. And the second step of the progression is this. When we stand in the way that sinners take, now we've stopped walking. We're, we're standing. We're hanging out. We're spending time in the places and in the conversations and in the behaviors of people who are walking away from God or of people who are not following God and are very far from God and we're getting more comfortable being away from the life-changing journey of following Jesus. We're finding ourselves now standing in the path that, those, that, that people who are walking away from God are standing in. And then the third kind of warning or the third step in this progression is this. When we get to the place where we sit in the company of mockers. So now we're sitting. We've, we've parked. And in this passage, the word mocker actually means mocking God or those whose lives and their choices mock God uh, the way that they live their life. So we're relaxed and we're comfortable. And we've joined in with those whose very lifestyles poke, 
fun at God's truth or at God's way of living. And we're engaged in conversations and in activities that we never thought that we'd be involved in. We just never imagined ourselves coming to the place where we would be uh, involved in, in the kinds of things we, we find ourselves influenced to be involved in. But the people who we've associated with are very comfortable in those places. And so in order to kind of be with them, we, we find ourselves just fitting in and sitting in their company. Now, if this sounds familiar to you this morning, if you're living at this place right now, first of all, I want you to know there's no condemnation from God or from me this morning. God would love more than anything for this to be a morning where you have an aha moment. But if this is you, maybe you're asking the question, what has happened to me? Like, how did I get to this place? Like, I remember a day when I was following God and I was walking closely with him and then now I'm finding myself at this place where really a relationship with God or living out um, a relationship with God is, seems very distant to the way that my life is actually being lived right now. Well, what's happened to you is this. You've become who you've spent time with. You've be- been influenced and become who you've spent time with. And the more time you spend with someone, the more you become like them. And it doesn't usually happen quickly. It usually happens over time because you weren't selective or discerning about who was influencing your life. And you were the person being influenced instead of being the influencer. And that's a slow road, but we can find ourselves quickly when we're not discerning about who we spend the bulk of our time with and we're being influenced by them, we become like them in many ways. I want you to check out Proverbs 13, 20. This hits the same truth in a little bit of a different perspective. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And I love the way the NLT, New Living Translation, says it a little bit more directly. It says this, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. (laughs) Isn't that pretty direct? Walk with the wise, you become wise. Associate with fools, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And this is a principle that that everyone has bumped into because it's a universal truth. Um, Even people who don't follow God would agree that it's true, that who you spend time with shapes you and forms you maybe more than, than you even realize. So let's break this next verse down from Proverbs 13, phrase by phrase, so we can understand it a little bit more. He who walks with, well, like we just talked about uh, in Psalm 1, I think of walking with someone kind of meaning you do life with these people. You hang out with them. You spend a significant amount of time with these people. It says, he who walks with the wise. Now, I came up with a definition of wise from a number of different sources and put it together for our purposes this morning. So you might want to write this down. A wise person equals someone who sees life as it really is and makes decisions based on truth or God's truth. Someone who sees life as it really is and makes their decisions based on God's truth. That's a definition of wisdom or a wise person. The wise person doesn't make decisions based on what they hope for or what they wish or their fantasies. A wise person doesn't make decisions based on pop culture or what they just heard on Dr. Phil, uh, there might be wisdom there, but a wise person doesn't base all of their decisions on on just pop culture or the whims that they may be caught up in in that moment. They make decisions based on God's word and what he has revealed to them or what he has told them, what what has proven to be truth. Because what do we know about truth? God's truth is in a person. It's in the person of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And that if we're following with Jesus, we're following the truth. We're obeying the truth. Our truth is tied to who he is. And we're going to find our truth 
in being a follower of Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian or a Christ follower is you're following the truth and you can trust God to be able to be the, the firm foundation which you base your life upon. So he who walks with the wise grows wise. And this is really our desire, isn't it? I mean, there's not a person in this room who would say, I aspire to foolishness. <laughs> that is a life goal of mine. I, I don't think anybody would make a New Year's resolution like that. <laughs> like this year, I hope to make more foolish decisions than I ever have before. No one would say that. We want to be wise. Why do we want to make wise decisions? Because we want to understand life better. We want to live life more meaningfully. Truth be told, we want to make wise decisions so that we can love, we, so that we can love God better and so that we can love the people around us in a more meaningful way. We want to become wise so we can be a blessing to the people who are around us. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to bless others. So he who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools... Now, fool is a pretty strong word, isn't it? Uh, we all have, I think, different definitions of it. Whenever I hear someone call someone a fool, the first thing I think of is B.A. Baracus from the A-team, okay? Mr. T, anybody remember? B.A. Baracus? All right. Uh, the A-team was a great show. I'm going to get to the fool thing in a second. The A-Team was a great show for a lot of different reasons. Um, if you're a child of the 80s, in some fashion, you probably watched the A-Team. But I loved how they tried to be nonviolent, and yet it was, it was like they were constantly blowing things up, like a car would flip and roll over and catch on fire. They'd go to another scene, then they'd come right back and show you the guys crawling out of the burning car, like brushing themselves off. Nobody ever got injured on the A-Team. It was fantastic. So they, I don't know, if you go back and watch the reruns, uh, you'll see that. There was never, no one died. Guns were shot all the time. Things were blown up, but nobody ever died. Uh, B.A. Baracus was a very violent guy on the A-team, and he had a favorite line. Does anybody remember it? I pity the fool. I pity the fool. He said it all the time. Everybody was a fool to B.A. Everybody was a fool. And I think B.A. stood for, for bad attitude. But uh, <laughs> everybody, everybody was a fool on that show. But he had it right. And in some ways, he would, he would join in with the writer of Proverbs because what the writer of Proverbs is actually saying is, I pity those who choose a foolish lifestyle. I pity those. I pity the fool. So when I think of the word fool, I don't think of it in a condemning sense as much as I do, um, I believe, what Scripture reflects. And that's that you're choosing a road that's going to lead to destruction. Like, I, I have these feelings for you because you're choosing this road that is going to destroy you. And here's the definition of a, of a fool. You might want to write this one down. A foolish person or a fool equals a person who knows the difference between right and wrong but doesn't care about the consequences. A person who knows the difference between right and wrong, but doesn't care about the consequences of them choosing poorly. Let me give you a few examples of this. Um, and I said this first one in the first service, and it applied directly to a guy in the front row, and his whole family punched him, and they all started laughing. Someone with diabetes eating a four-scoop ice cream sundae they know that it may cause shock to their system, but they eat it anyway. Now, he did tell me his was only two scoops, so that wasn't as bad. But they were all giving him a hard time last night because they went out and he had an ice cream sundae. A second one example is this. How about someone who cheats on a test, even though they know that if they get caught, they're going to get a zero grade for the whole class. But they choose to do it anyway in spite of the consequences. Here's one that might hit home a little bit more. Someone who is intentionally pursuing a relationship that they know is going to lead them away from following God, and yet they do it anyway. Intentionally pursuing a relationship that they know will pull them away from God, and yet they stay in the heart of that relationship. Fools are people who hear things like, you know that's going to hurt you, or you know what's going to happen if you do that, 
And yet their response with their actions is, yeah, but so what? So what? That's what I want to do. So what's next in this passage? It says, a companion of fools or someone who spends time with fools suffers harm. Now, if you're doing life with fools and and pretty much all of you have either, we can take the pressure off here this morning by saying we've all been the fool at times. Um, But if you're doing life or or you're you're going through life and you have a friend right now who is is living out uh, being a fool, uh, when you're in close proximity with a fool and their life blows up, guess what happens? you get hit with the shrapnel from the explosion. You do, not because what they did was your fault, but simply from being close to them and doing life with them, part of the consequences that they pay impact you as well. So when you're in a business or you're in a company led by fools, then the bad decisions that they make impact you. Look at companies like Enron. A few foolish people make decisions and a lot of people get hit with the shrapnel. When you're in a marriage with someone that the Bible would call a fool, there are many times when you get hurt or you suffer harm, not because of your decisions, but because of their decisions. And again, this is just one of those universal principles. Your friends or the people who you walk with determine the direction and quality of your life, where your life will go and what it will be like. And again, I'm not telling you this morning to not befriend people who need friends who are making bad choices. I'm just telling you the Bible warns us to be very, very careful about who are the people who influence us who are the people who stay closest to us? Who are the people who might, we might be changing and becoming like and not even being aware of it because of their close proximity to us? Remember the way the New Living Translation put it, Proverbs 13, it says, associate with fools and get in trouble. Now, I want you to think about a time. I want everybody to think about a time in life in the past that you have regrets about. It may have been a period of a couple weeks, it may have been a period of a couple months, it may have been a period of a few years in your life. But I want you to think about a period in your life that you can remember that you have regret when you think about that time. Think about what you were doing that you regret doing. Think about who you were doing it with in that season of your life. Now, most likely, you were with a friend or someone who at the time you considered to be a friend. And it wasn't your choices alone that influenced you to go down that road or be in that period uh, of your life that you were in. And because either you or your friend wasn't, wasn't wise, you knew the difference between right and wrong, what would be beneficial to you, what could cause you harm, and you chose poorly anyway. You know, when I was in middle school, um, my older brother and I, who was a year ahead of me, uh, made friends with a guy who was a high schooler at the time. And we thought this guy was so cool. I mean, we're middle schoolers anyway, so he was in high school. And we, we thought he was all that in a bag of chips. He, was, he just had everything. So um, he, though, however, this guy led us down some pretty foolish roads uh, at that particular time in our lives. We did some things in order to impress this guy, in order to hang out with this guy that just led us down a a path of destruction in many ways. And still, my older brother and I to this day have a little joke about this because, you know, anything that's going wrong in our life, we'll blame this guy from middle school. Like, (laughs) something's going wrong in our marriage. I'm talking to my brother. I say, it's that guy's fault. (laughs) It's his fault. You know, he messed it all up. He's a great scapegoat for us. But this friend, to put it bluntly, in many areas of his life, was a fool, according to the Bible, because he knew the difference between right and wrong, and he didn't care about the consequences. And I wasted a lot of my life becoming a fool right alongside of him. I wasted years of my life trying to impress, befriend, and becoming a fool right alongside of this guy. Now, I thank God 
that I had other friends in that period of my life who were influential in my life, uh, who were wise or made better decisions, who kept me. I, I often think about, what if he would have been my only friend? What if this guy who made those decisions would have been my only friend in that season? I can't even imagine the choices I would have made had that been the case. You know, the other night I was dropping my uh, 13-year-old son off, or I was actually picking him up from a buddy's house, and uh, I was talking with his parents in their living room, and there were actually two other boys over too, so it's a little posse of guys that they hang out with together. It's, it's kind of their lunch table crew, and they're great kids, and uh, it's just so great to be able to talk with his parents. But, you know, we, got, we talked for a few minutes, and we couldn't help but look at each other and just say how thankful we are that our sons have each other. Like it sounded almost a little bit hokey, but we were both wanting to express the same thing, like how blessed we are that this group of four guys who are just good kids coming from good places who have similar values and beliefs and enjoy each other's company, how blessed we are that our kids are influencing each other. Like it was this moment in their family room there where like we all kind of got choked up first. All right. Then we, but as we heard them being crazy in the back room, you know, we just felt like we were so thankful But for some reason, this principle that your friends determine the direction and quality of your life is one that we tend to kind of put on kids or on our childhood. I mean, how many of you as parents have said to your kids, well, I really don't want you hanging out with that boy or that girl, or maybe even we we encourage, we do want you hanging out with this boy or this girl. Um, How many of you have done that as parents, one way or another? Yeah, maybe it's by encouraging certain play dates or discouraging certain play dates or whatever. But we do that because we know that to some extent who our kids hang out with will shape who they become. Yet in our own lives, we don't seem to have as much foresight to choose our companions as wisely. Somehow we think that we're immune to the influence of fools in our life just because we're all grown up. Like, surely I couldn't be influenced negatively by someone because I'm, I've now arrived at this, you know, at this place in life. And people, listen to this, people's lives often get ruined, not because someone decides one given day that they're no longer going to follow God anymore. Or people's lives don't usually get ruined because they make a decision on any given day, hey, I'm not going to go to church anymore. But people's lives get ruined because their value systems begin to change as they spend time with people who are foolish And that begins to rub off on them without them even knowing it. And all of a sudden over time, we discover that our values have been influenced and we see things differently because we didn't have discernment in who we surrounded ourselves with. And you know, we're all the same in life. God made us this way. We're relational and we're acceptance magnets. We want to be with people who accept us, but sometimes we'll choose being with people who accept us even if they share totally different values than us. And that's a tricky place to be because when you choose to spend the bulk of your time with people who have very different values than you, but they accept you and love you, you can begin to make some choices that can lead you down a pretty rough path. And I want you to watch the story of Justin Howard. Justin's a fellow daybreaker. And I want want you to see how Justin used, learned to use how to harness this biblical principle of walking with the wise in order to see a big turnaround in his life. Let's watch together. I grew up going to church. Uh, unfortunately, I can't say that I ever enjoyed it too much. It was really traditional. There was a lot of older people. They didn't have anything specifically for the younger people, so I always just kind of felt disconnected. Uh, I had a normal childhood. My parents were fantastic. I always got really good grades in school, never had any problems getting along with people. I always had a lot of friends. 
I uh, always had a lot of fun. And I got to go up with my brother who was only three years older than me, so it was nice to have someone at home all the time too. But I did notice as I started to get older, um, for some reason I started struggling with um, feeling like uh, I wanted to strike out and uh, have, a, have a little more fun and live on the edge. and. Uh, uh, and I, I did actually end up having a few friends, uh, probably in my middle school years, that uh, took a couple of risks and uh, they, they always walked on the edge and they always got themselves in a little bit of trouble. And, uh, and I, I liked the adrenaline rush that came from that and unfortunately that was, that was kind of the start of, uh, of my problem, uh, surrounding myself with people that I probably shouldn't have been spending my time with. Uh, then whenever I started high school, uh, I did notice some other things that changed. Everyone wanted to be my friend. I had a vehicle, uh, I had a job, I had money. Uh, so going out on the weekends every weekend and having fun uh, was never a problem. So I think it was my sophomore year whenever I uh, first actually started um, drinking. Uh, and uh, it was because a lot of the friends that I hung out with did the same thing. Unfortunately, what I didn't realize was the fact that um, the disease of alcoholism runs in my family, uh, so I had a predisposition to it. And unfortunately, uh, I became an alcoholic. Uh, I drank for uh, a total of 12 years. Um, uh, a lot of that I, I do attribute to uh, the people I decided to associate myself with. Uh, I didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to be responsible. I just wanted those high school years to continue. So unfortunately, I got stuck in that rut for many years. That ended up leading me into some uh, really bad legal problems. Uh, so over the span of uh, about seven and a half, eight years, uh, I had accumulated three DUIs. Um, and that third DUI was what happened. Uh, it was 2010, December 19th. Uh, it was just a few days before uh, I started attending daybreak. Uh, so that was the reason why uh, I ended up starting going to church. I really finally realized that the wonderful life that I did manage to hold on to over those years, I could lose it in an instant. Um, and I wasn't willing to do that. And I was finally able to, to draw the line and say, you know, you have a problem. You need to learn about it. You need to take steps you need to welcome God back into your life because during those those years I had stopped attending church I was working all the time so I could make the money to go out all the time and uh, unfortunately that became my priority once I realized uh, how big of a problem it was and that it was something that I couldn't fix by myself that I needed the help uh, I made a very difficult uh, but what I think to be a wise decision um, I got myself uh, into an extensive treatment program um, that would uh, keep me out of prison. <laughs> Once I got myself into the program, uh, I was able to join uh, AA, which I had promised myself I would never do. Uh, but it turned out to be uh, one of the, the best things that I had ever done um, outside of uh, looking for a spiritual solution. Uh, I severed, uh, immediately severed, um, all of the 
all the contacts that I had, all, all the people and the places and the things that were causing the trouble in my life, um, and was able to uphold that from the knowledge that I received from, uh, from my brothers uh, within AA, uh, who are fantastic people that I associate myself with now. It was, it's nice to have those connections. And once I really realized that a, a big root of the problem was the people I decided to associate myself with, once that was alleviated, it made it a lot easier. And then being able to develop the extremely strong connections that can be developed by joining a small group at daybreak, uh, everything just felt like it fell into place. Um, having the, the prayer support, um, having something to look forward to every week, knowing that I could get together with my brothers and my sisters here at daybreak, uh, having, having a family built around me that I know I could go to and talk to every week about things that were going through my head or things that I may have been struggling with uh, has just been amazing. It's felt fantastic. Um, my wife and I have been enjoying it thoroughly and uh, it's something that we are so proud of ourselves for doing. I'm finally at a point where I've learned that I don't have to feel bad about myself anymore. I don't have to hold on to regret. I've finally been able to let go of those things. I've been able to forgive myself and move on. I realized that life isn't about me, but about helping others in any way that I can. And that's what I really try to focus on. Um, my marriage is the strongest it's ever been. Um, and overall, I finally have the spark of life back in me, and it just feels fantastic. And uh, I would really like to put a big thanks out there to my Daybreak family. So, thank you. Mm -hmm. I said I wasn't going to look at you, and I looked down at you. <laughs> Thanks for sharing your story, Justin. We all celebrate the good choices um, that you're making right now. In Justin's relationships, he's becoming who he's spending time with. He's becoming who he's spending time with. And uh, he's spending time with Jesus, and he's spending time with his spiritual family, and God's doing a great work. Well, this leads us to point two. Being intentional in your relationships means first entering into selective relationships and then secondly entering into structured relationships. Structured relationships. And I want to go back to revisit Psalm 1. Uh, remember verse 1 said, Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And then it goes on to say, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, I want you to combine the wisdom from Psalm 1 and what we learned from Proverbs 13. And in essence, it says here that the fool is one who walks with the wicked, who stands where the sinners stand, and who sits in the seat of the mockers. The fool is being influenced by all of those things. Then it contrasts the fool by showing us that the wise are those who delight in God's word, those who meditate on it, they think about it, and they're led by it both day and night. 
So it says that those people, the wise, are like trees that are planted by streams of water. And because they're well watered, what happens? Well, they produce fruit and they stay healthy and they find success and they prosper in God's kingdom and they're blessed. So many times as we're thinking about an area of our lives that maybe we want to um, we'd like to grow in or maybe there's a habit that we'd like to stop that's hurting us or maybe there's a habit that we need to start that we believe would, would be helpful to us. So much of the time we try to do it alone. We try to do it on our own. We don't even think about um, the, the impact, uh, how much more helpful it would be if we tried to do it in fellowship with other Christ followers. So when we t- try to do it alone, we're not like the tree planted by water. We're not putting ourselves in a position where we, we're receiving what we need uh, to really be healthy and to have the resources that we need to grow and to stay healthy. Instead, we're like a tree kind of planted away from water, maybe in a desert area somewhere. Uh, we're not putting ourselves in the proximity of the things or the resources or the people that we need in order to help us grow. So catch this this morning. If he who walks with the wise grows wise, if walking with the people who are moving in the direction that we want to move helps us move in that direction, maybe even more quickly or in a more meaningful way, if it keeps us healthy and growing, then how can we become intentional about doing life with those people who are moving in that direction also? That's what I really want to challenge you with this morning. How can we become more intentional about moving through life with people who share common goals and a common desire to follow Christ? Structured relationships can make this happen. And on the surface, when you hear the word structured and relationships together, it almost seems like an oxymoron because when you hear the two, you think, well, that sounds very forced. Like structured relationship, who wants that? Who wants something that's forced? But what I mean by that is this. The definition is in your your program there this morning in your your, uh, outline. It says relationships you move into not just for the sake of the encouragement that you'll be able to give to others, but also for the sake of the spiritual growth and development you'll receive as a result of being in that relationship. We do this all the time in life, and yet for some reason we don't apply it to our spiritual development. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you were, gonna, uh, you were going to get a job, and we, we look at a job or uh, something that's put out there, and we look at it and we say, well, I believe I have something to offer to this company, and I know that I'm going to build relationships with other people when I work at this job, but really the big decision-making factor for us are the things that impact our own development. We ask questions like, well, how much am I going to make? Is that going to be enough to support my family or enough to help me get a next step down the road? What opportunities for growth and development does this job afford for me? Is this a good next step? And if it offers the right things for us, we say yes to the job. No one would say yes to a job if they said, well, we'd really like you to do this and you're not going to get paid anything for it, so it's not going to help your family. It's not going to move you down the road at all. We're going to relegate you to some back corner somewhere. No one would take a job. We think about how it's first um, going to be a good next step for us. And we don't, we don't say, before I take this job, I want to spend time with every person who I'm going to work with, you know, see if they're my kind of people. No, we enter the job and we enter into a structured relationship with those people because of the job, uh, with that company, because of the development that we'll experience as a result of it. And when you take that job, you move into the office and you meet the people. And some of those people you really like. And some of those people you don't like. And some of those people you think are really weird. But for the sake of the job and for the sake of the company, uh, you get to know those people and you work it out, you work together, uh, and you develop and grow through it. We do this all the time. Whether it's choosing a college or signing our kids up for an extracurricular activity, we're not only focused on what we'll bring to the table, but we're also focused... Um, on how it's going to help us or our kids grow and develop and achieve their goals as well. Now translate this. Think about your spiritual life for a minute. 
Your spiritual development, a part of it, a large part of it, hinges on your willingness to enter into structured relationships. We just saw people do it into membership. They entered into a structured relationship becoming a member of our church because, yes, they believe they have something to offer to our church family, but also because they believe that by becoming a member of this church family, that they're going to be spiritually developed, that there's gonna be an investment made in them. It's gonna help them take a next step. They have common goals with this church family that they're gonna be able to achieve by becoming a part of it. Just like your job um, and just like anything else, uh, there will be some people that you love when you get involved uh, in a church family or in a small group. There'll be other people who are a little bit hard to love and there'll be some that you think are a little bit weird. But by the grace of God, (laughs) you're gonna be in that structured relationship and you're gonna work it all out and it's gonna be for your growth. And I've heard it said in groups that if you're not sure who the weird one is, it's probably you, so don't try to figure that out too, too hard. Structured relationships create this culture for God to work in our hearts and in our lives for change to happen. They create a culture for spiritual development. And in structured relationships, you meet regularly. You meet regularly because you have a common goal and a common purpose and a common vision. Very rarely will you see people who have made serious strides in their spiritual development uh, and, and on their journey with Jesus do that without having some kind of structured relationship because we just don't grow in a vacuum. It just doesn't happen. I want you to think about a time in your life that you had spiritual growth in leaps and bounds. It was just a great spiritual uh, advancement time for you in your relationship with God. I bet that over 90% of the time that happened in your life in some form of community, either with someone discipling you or in a small group or in a church family or in some kind of environment where there were other people who were pouring into that growth and that development of yours. Sure, it's very important for you to learn how to spend time with God on your own. But I want you to catch this this morning. You, we grow The Bible confirms it over and over again. We grow in some of the largest ways in the context of when we do life together. This was a part of God's big plan from the very beginning for each of us, for us to grow and uh, as we grow with others who are attempting to emulate and follow Christ. Now at Daybreak, one of the biggest ways that we do this is through small groups. Small groups are our purposeful, structured relationships uh, for you to be able to take your next steps in growth, for you to walk with the wise and for you to encourage each other. And we've got so many different kinds of groups at Daybreak because we know there are all kinds of different people with all kinds of different needs. And I want to strongly encourage you this morning, why not consider getting in a group this January? Why not consider, there's all kinds of new groups, you can look at that, that folder and decide is this my time to enter into some structured relationships? Carmen referenced that big brochure that you got, that little booklet you got when you came in this morning. And I know some of you are thinking, you're too busy for this. How could I add another thing to my life? But I want to encourage you, I'm not making this up this morning. Did you know that the whole New Testament, the whole New Testament centers around God's word instructing us to do life together. It points to Christ followers who are living in community with each other, connecting with each other, and because of it, growing in their love for God and in their love for each other. Connecting with God's family is a huge part of your journey, and it needs to be a part of your regular routine if you want to see yourself really know and love God in a meaningful way. So be intentional and make a decision that you're going to connect. And once you've made that decision, then you can start to think about, okay, what kind of connection do I want to make? Let me give you just a short list of some of the connections you can make in Daybreak in the next couple of weeks as we get started. If you're going through a tough separation or a divorce, we have a 
divorce care group. If you're going through grief from losing a loved one, there's grief share. If you need to become a better manager of the money that God's entrusted to you, we have Financial Peace University. If you need a boost in the early stages of your spiritual journey, maybe you just crossed the line of faith, we have a starting point group. If you're a guy looking for what it really means to live for God as a man or as a husband or as a father, we have men's fraternity. If you're a woman who's looking for a Bible study and fellowship and support in your life as a friend or a wife or a mother, there's women's groups. If you're someone looking for a group of people to develop relationships with and study God's word, maybe over a longer period of time, we have home groups. If you're trying to gain a deeper understanding about following Christ and you want to know what it means to be a part of our church family, there's the journey class. And then we even have more specialized groups like True Reflections, for, uh, which is a group of women who are struggling with eating disorders, or Peacekeepers, it's a group for law enforcement officers who just need to journey with some other guys who are in their same line of work and find out what God requires of them in their unique uh, place of employment. What group you choose isn't really the most important thing, just that you begin to surround yourself with other people who are going the same direction as you are in their desire to follow Christ. And if you were in a group before and maybe you didn't have a great group experience, I want to encourage you to give it another shot. How many of you ever got a bad haircut? Okay, after your bad haircut, did you say, I am never getting a haircut again? (laughs) No, you just decided you're going to try a different barber. Not every group at Daybreak operates 100% healthy all the time. Maybe either here or at another place you had a bad experience or that connecting place just didn't really work for you. Try again. This is why we provide an on-ramp and an off-ramp about every three to four months. In every group that we have, you can get in and you can get out in a comfortable way if you don't feel like that group is working for you. It's okay to be honest about that, but don't give up on community. Or maybe you're already in a group and you need to open up your group to new people coming in. Or possibly maybe God is leading you to say, I want to be a person who provides spiritual community for people who haven't had it yet. And maybe God's calling you to lead a group It's not that hard. We'll equip you to do it. You could write that on your card today if you said, you know what, I feel like maybe God's calling me to be a group leader. And we'll we'll help you figure out what kind of group maybe God's calling you to lead and give you the training that you need to do that. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Underline that as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Look, even in the New Testament, they think the writer of Hebrews was probably Paul. Paul is saying to the Hebrews, look, you're giving up on a gift that God has given you. God's given you this great gift to have fellowship and community and you're giving up on it. Don't give up on it just because life gets busy. Get together with other Christ followers. Encourage each other so that you can walk out into this world and have relationships with other people and be influencers of them and their lives because you're solid in your relationships that God has given you. You know, I've been in a lot of different small groups over the course of 20 years, and usually I'm in multiple groups at the same time. Uh, It's just been a great gift uh, to be a part of so many different kinds of groups. I've been in home groups, men's groups, neighborhood groups, accountability groups, and every one of them has meant something um, different to me in a meaningful way. And different seasons of your life, sometimes you need a different experience. I know the power of life-giving community in my life. Uh, This fall, I decided to not be in a men's group in FPU, I'm sorry, in men's fraternity. I decided not to be in men's fraternity uh, because of my schedule and some other things. And I got about two months into the fall and I realized that there was a void in my life because I was not connecting with other men. 
and who were encouraging me uh, to be the dad that God had called me to be, uh, to be the husband that God had called me to be, to be the man and be the leader that God had called me to be. So I'm not joking about this. A couple months into the fall, I found another friend who was feeling the same way. Uh, they had stepped out of uh, men's groups too, and we got together. We pulled a, few, a couple guys together uh, who also want to really follow God, and, wanna, and that's priority for them. And we've just been meeting for a couple months now, but I got to tell you the life that has been poured back into me and the challenge and the encouragement I have because I'm walking alongside a few brothers who have common goals with me, a few brothers who are also seeking God and the same things that I um, am seeking in life. So this is the question I want to ask you this morning. Who will you walk with to become who you want to become? Who will you walk with this month, this spring, to become who you want to become? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I know your word is so clear and you long for us to be intentional. You long for us to be selective so that we can go out and influence people who are hurting and need to see life lived out in a very meaningful way. Father God, I want to thank you for all the life-giving connections that so many of us already experience here at Daybreak. I thank you for those testimonies from the journey class. I thank you for Justin and his life and his story and how he's worked hard to find intentional relationships here. Life would be so empty and so boring if we didn't have the relationships that you've given us. And I pray for all of us, God, that you'd help us evaluate the relationships that we're in and to not just coast relationally and be influenced by people who are walking away from you, but help us to be intentional about the types of people that are closest to us that we're doing life with in the most meaningful way. And God, I pray you'd also help us to each find those structured relationships so that we can be part of the, of the development that you want to do in and through us. God, would you give us a welcoming spirit of hospitality to those who are coming new into the groups that we're in. And most of all, I just pray, God, that you would change us and that you would make us more like your son, Jesus, as we engage in life-giving relationships with your family. And we love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' mighty strong name that we pray. Amen.